Hello and welcome to the latest episode of EdTech People podcast with myself, Matthew Setchell, and tonight's episode is with Dr. Paul Heary, who is CEO of uh, Trust uh, over in Nottingham Way. He's also a lead inspector for Ofsted and recently got uh, put onto the RSC advisory board, uh, voted on by his colleagues. And Paul is somebody that I worked with for many uh, years um, back at one of the first schools, the first schools that I was a network manager at. And tonight's episode is really important and special to me to catch up with somebody that I really admire and who undoubtedly helped me be the person I am in my career by trusting me. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Um, any feedback, as always, is welcomed on my socials. Um, and that's at msetchell on Twitter or on um, LinkedIn, Matthew Setchell. Or you can visit my website, which is mattian.co.uk. That's M-A-T-T-I-A-N.co.uk. Enjoy the episode. So hello and welcome to the latest episode of EdTech People. Tonight, I'm really excited to be joined by uh, Dr. Paul Heary. Um who I've known for quite a few years now, um, although I haven't seen in person for quite a long time. Um, thanks for coming on board uh, for the chat this evening, Paul. Not at all. Good to be here, Matt. So uh, Paul and I have known each other ever since he gave me a job um, quite a few years ago now. Uh, I'd normally work it out by when my daughter was born because she was born just three weeks before or three weeks after I started. Um, so that's how I keep track of remembering when I started uh, uh, back in the school. But yes, um, you gave me a job in the bungalow, uh, which later turned into the Laws IT offices. Yes, and, and I don't think we gave paternity leave in those days either, Mark, did we? So I presume you just worked right through with those those three weeks of uh, after your <laughs> little girl was born. But uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know me, hard working as ever. Yes, yes. So, um, but nowadays you've gone up in the world um, and are now a CEO. Um, of uh, a federation of schools, is that right? Yes, it's it's a trust. It's the White Hills Park Trust. So we're a small trust, multi academy trust, primaries and secondaries in uh, in the edge of, of Nottingham, in Nottinghamshire. Great. And uh, you've got a few other titles. Or you didn't weren't a doctor when I met you. So either you've done a quick course for the NHS, or you've you've gone down the academic route and uh, now working with the RSC as well. Is that right? Yeah, so I, I had started, I, I, I think I've, I've, there's probably some sort of record for the longest amount of time it's taken to achieve a doctorate. So I started my research, um, I started my doctoral study a long time before I was, uh, we were working together in, in Redditch. Um, and I think it was something like nine and a half years from starting to completing. But it was quite, uh, the research I did was quite, uh, was longitudinal research. And I was working full time, and so yeah. so I, I I achieved my doctorate I think in 2018, um, uh, which is which is a real you know a, a, quite a thrill for me actually to be able to kind of have that extended period of study and just really to have to have got to the end of it because it was it was um, it, um, a long journey but I, I enjoyed that and I enjoyed the research. My research was in the emotional impact of failure and Ofsted inspection, which um, and, and I had a, a, a fantastic group of. Uh, of head teachers who I worked with who'd been through that traumatic event and then kind of rebuilt things from the other side so that was that was great um, and I and I see Ofsted from every side because I also inspect I'm a lead inspector for Ofsted which I um, I think is 
an important part of my job and certainly increases my skill set um, and and this helps the school that I, the schools that I work with but yes my and, and with the RSC I've, I haven't taken up that post but I've just been um, elected to one of the posts uh, for the advisory board um, in the East Midlands so that's the fellow academy head teachers and CEOs vote for four people from each region to, to sit on the advisory board who consider all the various academy um, applications and significant changes and so on but I'm looking forward to starting that in September. Well I think it, it obviously speaks great volumes about the uh, the work that you do and the impact that you've had that people think so highly of you to to you know have that vote and to put you in there and also um, working with Ofsted is something that I know when we worked together was something that really impacted on me and my role even in the IT world because um, you helped me see what schools needed to show um, and the impact of the work that we, that IT had. Well, I, I think it's it's a it's a real privilege being able to go into schools and seeing people work. And I know that Ofsted is is a, a stressful and, um, and and a difficult situation very often. And it's not you're not seeing people in the normal run of events, but you're still getting a chance to really get under the skin of a school and get to see how people work. And and I have an, an incredible admiration for the work that schools do. And what I also think, you know, just in reference to what you say, is that it's it's not just, you know, the teachers are obviously on the front line delivering the lessons, but they are entirely dependent on the wider team as well. And I think you can see that in, you know, school when you go into lots of different schools, schools need to have a, a really coherent staff team, not just the teaching staff, because teachers de are dependent on those other people supporting them, you know, not least the, the tech team. Yeah, definitely. So. Uh, and I think um, just for, for those who lots of people have seen the uh, how Laws IT um, moved and grew over the last nine years, but not many people know how it started. And actually, I still have the very first email um, where we were asking permission um, to go and support some other schools. So um, we we done some quite transformational things at St. Bede's um, Catholic Middle School, which is where we both met. And uh, it was really the first time that anybody had turned around and said, do you know what, your your expertise is the IT. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to trust you. Um, and uh, we had some, you know, in-depth discussions and, and um, you know, conversations about understanding the impact of what we was going to do and, and how we could measure the outcomes of the work that we was going to do. But certainly it was after the two secondary schools that I worked in before, it was my first network manager's job. And to be allowed that kind of freedom, have that trust put in me, really, I think, uh, allowed um, the impact of what we did to last till to this day. That some of the things that we put in are still there and still working really, really well. Yeah, and, and I think that that, to be honest, in in my sort of role, I mean, that's always the key. That you need to have, you need to make sure that you're working with really good people who know their stuff. But then, and and you need to have a real, you need to make sure that their vision and their values match your own. But then you really, really, if you've done that, you need to trust them and you need to give them the, the opportunity to develop those things. And, and um, you know, I think you you clearly had a vision for how that might develop. And it's not something that had ever occurred to me, but it was it. Um, I, I could recognise that that you knew that you had a real clear picture and that if you had the opportunity to do that, then that that could really pay dividends. And there's a bit of a risk that goes there, but then there's a risk with every every new thing you try. And so I think that I, I mean I think it was 
it seems quite new that kind of almost entrepreneurial approach to things and being able to, to kind of deliver a service outside the school we we now I, I learned a lot from that because we do quite a lot of things now where we effectively say we couldn't we couldn't afford to do this. We haven't got the scale to the capacity to do this. We're in a small trust, for example. Um, but if we do this and bring others into the fold, then it becomes it becomes manageable and sustainable, and you work in partnership. And you don't have to bring you don't have to run a massive trust or or bring you know do things in a very formal way. It's it's that kind of if you build it, they will come philosophy really. And I think that you really you went for that, and and I could see that you had not just the vision but the the, you had a plan as well behind that and then technical knowledge and so you know we we took the plunge and it's uh I, i've been to a couple of schools recently that have followed me uh, to concero um because unfortunately of course lord's ot has closed now um or at least tomorrow actually is the last day um and uh, uh i went to some of the schools that started with us very very early on um and uh, in fact, one of the schools that was one of the very first starters, I eventually become a vice chair of governors at um, and uh, um, working with the trust that they joined. And but even today, going to a couple of the other middle schools and the primary school that we, we first supported then, I still get really proud of what we've enabled those schools to do. And, um, you know, that started with that with that conversation um, and asking, you know, the uh, I think it was the chair of governors at the time if we could go ahead and do it. Um, but so, so you know, it's re as you say, I think the ethos of schools helping schools is something that still rings very, very much true in my mind. And I know that's the same um, with with things that I see you posting up on Twitter as well. And I, I know that you um, talk frequently about how you don't really believe in the um, league tables and such like that. They put out there's a lot better ways to measure the impact and effect that schools have. Um, and teachers have on student lives and of course of the the on the working lives of the people that are within them as well yeah i mean my my fundamental kind of objection in principle to to performance tables is that it doesn't tell you how well a school is doing it just tells you how well a school is doing compared to other schools and actually that's that's you know that might be interesting i'm not sure that it is but it's not particularly useful if you're a child in one of those schools you want to you want to make sure that that school is doing as well as as well as it can. And the, if if we work together and if our overall aim is to improve things, the system as a whole, and if we all feel a, a, a kind of an investment in making things better on the whole, then we can, then if we do that, then every everything will improve. In terms of performance tables, that won't work because half of the schools will still be below average. You know, if you look at progress eight and, you know, there's uh, the there will always be half of the schools that are performing mm. broadly speaking that are below zero and half the schools that are above zero and yet so so we don't have an investment in in everyone getting better in fact we have the opposite we have an investment in other schools and other trusts doing worse because that makes us that helps us which seems to me a, a really kind of perverse um way of of incentivizing us to improve the system as a whole so i you know i, I really make the distinction it's not that i'm against clearly young people achieving as well as they can and getting the best <laughs> results they can but I just I just don't I don't think it's a very good mechanism for making that happen no 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 um uh, well I, I'm agreement but mainly because I listen to what you say and it makes sense uh, and a lot of things that I've done um 
So I'm going to uh, hit up with my first uh, question, really, and go straight into it. And obviously, it's an EdTech podcast, as you know, that's what I'm, mm-hmm. that's what I'm into. Um, so the first real question is, can EdTech impact outcomes for students? Um, I, I mean, I think the answer is most definitely yes. Um, but it's it's not it's it's not a simple correlation. So I think yeah. it's it's you know it, what we need to think about it, the way that we improve outcomes for students is making sure that that we have as as good a curriculum as possible. And so you know and 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 you don't start off um, by looking at the way you deliver that curriculum. You start off by looking at what you want to achieve at the end of it. Then I think edtech really can have a um, have an have an impact. And in particular. You know, this 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 is not going to be an, an original thought. So I apologise for that. But you know, we've really seen it over the last couple of years the way that we can um, the way that we can promote um, different styles of learning and different and the way that we can improve the effectiveness of what happens in class by using tech both in class and out of class. And in in um, in our trust, we have we have one of our schools has a sixth form, just one, and, and we've made a um, we've made the decision a few years ago. So before COVID, to give all of our sixth forms a Chromebook, um, sixth form as a Chromebook, um, we could, you know, we took a, a bit of a plunge. It was partly, you know, it supported recruitment as well into the sixth form, but actually then we then we started to work with Microsoft Teams, and I, and I did at the time, I did a little bit of sixth form teaching, and found it, you know, as working with some really skilled staff, found some of the tools there around. Um, Using, you know, do, doing kind of collaborative pieces of writing, editing things collectively as we were going through um, a piece of, uh, you know, going through a text. Um, certainly, you know, we've been talking about flipped learning for a long time, but it suddenly it suddenly makes sense when you start bringing, yeah. you know, when you start bringing tech into that. So I think there's there's all sorts of possibilities there. I think the important thing is that the curriculum is the driver, and EdTech supports that. So what you don't want to do is is start off by saying, okay what's the tech how do we you know how how can what do we which tech to use and then thinking well and therefore where does the learning come you know it's the it's the curriculum that drives it but there are lots of ways that technology just just gives us access to so many different so many different things i mean one one example and it wasn't my idea but it was um i thought it was a, a great example of you know it work, working with sixth form sociology students um, and we were looking at research methods and we wanted to do some Kind of, you know, I wanted to sort of demonstrate how we could do some quick kind of research using, you know, just um, doing some um, a, a kind of, you know, just picking picking out a, a something we want to look at. And so what we did is we wanted to look at how people behave when they're um, at, in a in a leisure situation compared to when they're in a work situation. So that's kind of interesting sociological thing. So we yeah. used um, camera feeds um, from. Um, different places around the world, from tourist places. We looked at the Piazza Navona in Rome, and I can't remember um, the uh, Trafalgar Square. And then we looked at some city centres, and it was a fantastic way of demonstrating to those students how you can use um, you can use the research. You can use it. We did, you know, um, a, a kind of simple some simple research methods to get some information. Um, about something that was actually quite an interesting thing that was happening across, uh, you know, in, on the other side of the world. That obviously you can only do that with tech. And in the old days, you used to go down to the side of the road and count how many red cars and blue cars and make <laughs> yeah. tally charts, you know. It, and and suddenly 
you just it's so much more sophisticated so much more meaningful um through through using the technology and it feels as if those you know those students are doing something that that replicates what they might be doing in a university or the world of work yeah definitely and it's one of the things that i've been speaking to a lot of cool a lot of schools recently about is um life skills and how much ed tech needs to be in and then used across the curriculum <coughs> from the mundane to the special um and the memorable because it is a tool now which we everybody has to use day in day out you know everybody has to um use it in some form to complete what they need to do it's not touched uh it's not not touched any area of our lives and i think where the schools aren't embedding some of those most basic skills into the everyday um, and still in some places see them as a special event to go and use a computer and or you know uh, it's not an everyday thing I think they're, they're kind of doing a bit of a disservice um, to for whatever reason I'm not placing blame I know you know money and, and everything mm -hmm. like that there I, I think you know they're, they're they need to see how to do even just the day-to-day -day, uh, using technology and using it as a tool and also teach them when to look away from the tech as well and when actually they might be doing something in a class and actually a group conversation without using any technology or uh, um, doing some kind of other thing which doesn't involve technology is valuable and the two can be mixed and matched. Yeah, and, and can anyone imagine, can anyone seriously imagine that in 10 years time um, every student turned up at school wouldn't have whatever the equivalent is will be in 10 years time but wouldn't have their yeah. tech with them then? I mean, I think we, it, it's almost that we know this is going to happen. Um, yes, you know, so we need to win because that it just we, we need to plan for that. We need to understand how do we develop the skills to do that? Um, and I think there's one thing about having tech around you and using it in that kind of functional way. De develops those skills and, 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 and in lots of, you know, so that these things become kind of a natural way of things. And exactly as you say, you say you use it at that point, not because it's, you know, you're in the lesson where there's a computer in front of you because that task needs it. And then you put it away because you're doing something, you know, you know, you you turn and you do something, something differently. But um, I mean, there are no, there are there are no subjects that I can think of that um, that at some point technology it, it can't be used to help. Yeah. You know, using sources in history, you know, recording. I think we were doing it, you know, quite a few years ago at Saint Bede's recording and um, sequences of movement in PE and watching them back. Yeah. You know, whatever it might be, you listen, you know, recording. Um, in, in music, obviously, whatever subject it is, then technology has a part to play, but it's the servant of the curriculum. So it's not the same thing. It's it, that, yeah. um, in, in every subject, it will look very different depending on the kind of discipline, the disciplinary knowledge that you're trying to to, um, to generate within that subject. So talking on that basis of, of you know, the inevitability of one to one devices um, for students in school <coughs> and obviously for staff as well. There's, there's two bits I want to touch on. The first I'll touch on is around students, but also I want to talk in a minute about staff and the impact on them and the workload um, and, and how they can use and also, you know, get, teaching them the skills that they need because most students are, of course, digital natives. And you don't, uh, there's a there's a picture I always refer to is that students will never need uh, CPD on IT. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you'll, never, you'll never need to give them the CPD on IT. But around students, I was having this conversation with the school the other day and very, a lot of my conversations are talking about starting that project of one-to-one -one devices, you know, on a rolling programme, seeing how they can implement it using leasing and that kind of stuff. And I, I was talking to them about 
how the devices that they're going to give students for those one-to-one -one devices, either whether that's Chromebook or, or Windows, um, they are your equivalent to your normal uh, handwriting book. Mm -hmm. Every department will use a handwriting book to record their stuff in. But if you walk into a music room and you want to do something specialist and you want to do something specialist in music, they'll give you a violin um, and they'll give you, um, you know, uh, sheet music to, to, to read that off. And I think the same is true in IT. People sometimes think that it's one size fits all solutions and you have to use one tool to do the job. But the one to one devices are those books that can be taken into every lesson. Those Macs in music, those uh, iPads for a particular app, those Chromebooks, uh, whatever they are, are the, um, you know, uh, specialist. Um, it needs to be invested in alongside the everyday mundane, as we already do in education by giving our departments the tools that they need to to be those specialists. And I know you've you share my views. I'm working in the middle school is that that they are fantastic places to be because um, how early they open up to students that wide curriculum that they can they can do. I remember, you know, my daughter now, they will surprise you is near five and uh, I'm, you know, compared to she'd just be starting at the middle schools and I wish that she had the access to um, the kind of breadth and depth of curriculum that they have. Um, so when you've been looking at this, have you have you been taking that kind of route as well, looking at the everyday and then specialist equipment where needed or what, what's your kind of motive? Yeah, well, yeah, I think I think to some extent. Um, so so certainly, um, you know, we've looked at so within within um, uh, tech, not not uh, not IT, but within tech, within kind of you know resistant materials and so on. You know, there's there's all sorts of of, of um, technology that really that really enhances those subjects. You know, whether that's obviously three D printers, but uh, and, yeah. and so on. But you know, the, the different kind of um, generations of, of that sort that sort of tool as you say music i think um you know it's one of the it's one of the ways that that makes music really accessible to a, a lot of students who might otherwise be put off the kind of traditional route of music um but uh, so so being able to um to kind of use good kind of recording software to be able to kind of you know to, um, to uh, composing software and so on i mean that's really important uh, within science, you know, we're using uh, lots of um, specialist, you know, in terms of microscopes and um, yeah. and so you know and um, various devices, kind of thermometers and very sophisticated measuring devices and so on. So I think absolutely that's the case um, that you need to you need to be able to specialize. You need to have the the best equipment that you that you can afford. I mean we. The, the, there are two things, aren't there, with tech? You've got to build the structure and build the infrastructure, and that that's often the barrier. And, and yes. because it, just because it's it's so big and it's so expensive, and it's very hard to kind of commit those those kind of funds, um, it, it, because you have to do that first, and you don't you you do that without knowing that you're not going to see all the benefit overnight. We're, we're in a very fortunate position. Um, in, in one of our secondary schools that, that we're going for a rebuild and we've got the funds to do that and um, and so oh, that's got to be exciting it's really exciting and and so at a very early stage we're talking about how do we as much as possible future proof this building so this this can this is set up to use technology in the best possible way for as Brilliant. far as into the distance as we can see um, 
you know, so there's lots of we, we want it there's lots of things that we can that we can start talking about there and we've and you know it's, it's a quite an exciting project looking Definitely. at technology in a brand new build when you've um, got the money to do it properly yeah. yeah so one of the things i'm working with Concero, and it's actually something i've never done before is a brand new school build up in uh london and rotherhithe there's right. a there's a brand new building that they build and and it you, you'll know compared to west end visas where lots of high fifth in in L london it's they're quite uh disparate places <laughs> in yes. terms of the communities that they're in you know uh the, the school is uh at the bottom of some very high rising flats um i remember speaking to a teacher just the other week when i was saying she's like matt remember some kids literally their day is they walk down the uh walk down the steps of the tower and walk into the school and then walk back up the steps into the tower um so 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 the the space that they're creating is phenomenal um, yeah. and and uh, and it's really great to go in and see that the it's been in there from the ground up and the different type of, of things that they're doing um and how when they walk in there <coughs> transformational is the word that that that, that will use not you know not just about this a new space but how that space is used and how the students yeah. can interact with it thanks to the technology that we're putting in and i think uh, one of the things that really stands out to me as well is that th this place has is, is got a very high level of EAL and something yeah. that I've really focused on um, as a personal thing that I've really focused on. I'm not too sure what's drawn me to it is is all about around accessibility and the chances that this these kind of kits give to to children and now I know it's something that you believe in very much as well mm. um, but you know you're we're in a world where Parents can have live translations of parents' evenings onto their device. They can sit in a hall just like anybody else and see it in front of them. Deaf parents can sit there and have it there. Students can take control of, um, you know, if they've got dyslexia, um, mm -hmm. if they if they need something read back to them. Or if, I had a conversation with somebody the other day. It's just like if you've got a kid who doesn't want to type and is actually not that into to typing, they can still have every chance of somebody who is because they can dictate or they can record a video or they can record an audio yeah. thing of it and i think there's a really strong view on my point that that should be embedded at every stage of the curriculum and taken on for you know for all teachers and potentially you know even within ofsted something that they look at you know because our schools who are not adopting it restricting um for students their ability to perform at the same level as their their peers yeah, I, I think I think particularly within the current Ofsted framework, there are quite a lot of um, of misconceptions based on based on previous framework that what Ofsted are looking for is um, a, a, you know very kind of um, narrow academic curriculum with and, and just simply interested in high in high outcomes and in terms of you know core subject data, but actually that breadth of curriculum, that kind of curriculum vision. Is written very large in the current Ofsted framework, and that and having that vision um, is is really important, and, and particularly for to how you reach all pupils. Um, and and so often, as you, I mean, I think they're great examples that you come up with, that because often technology can overcome some of those barriers in a way that just uh, um, that we wouldn't be couldn't possibly have done before. Um, mm. You know, I think when, you know, when there's other things around. Um, enhancing the curriculum by being able to communicate with people from other countries so we have links with a yes. school in China and we're able to send videos over and to kind of communicate and in that way I mean so things that I know in the past you'd have been writing pen pal letters and sending them and six weeks <laughs> later you might have got replies and and this is immediate responses and immediate replies and and uh, 
you know it's really really quite exciting and and makes the world and um, that bit smaller for the children 100 percent, 100 it's it's actually one of the, i do remember we did um i can't remember if you were still there if i'm honest but uh, there was an event that we did at saint b's where did a video call between a french school and ourselves and i remember you know standing in the room with one of the french teachers and uh, just seeing her reaction as a teacher to being able to enable this opportunity you know mm -hmm. and actually introduce and work with a counterpart from across the globe um and there was various different places they went to so it wasn't just france it, you know it was mfl in its in its true truest form across the world mm -hmm. um and it was a team school it was a two buttons yes. you just needed their email address and to click click next um and it was amazing um and surely some something i think you know we we always talked about back in the day I, I remember saying to you a few times this is a day that the children will remember this is mm. one of those things that they'll remember from when it was when you uh, let them uh, go and play in the snow or um yes. on some of the uh, the radios and the stuff that we that we did um and ironically it is snowing um at st b's right at this moment oh, right, okay. I live literally around the corner from yeah. it now i can see it from my house yeah. and i can see the snow coming down there um the so uh, but but going to that staffing point of view, and it's not something that I've touched on in in so much in some of the other podcasts, but I'm very interested to hear your view on it. Is around the impact that edtech for staff can make on their workload, on on retention of good staff in a good school, um, and how, what your views are on that um, that kind of side of of the edtech argument. Well, I I think it's I think it's potentially revolutionary, and and. Yeah, I think my, to the best way to summarise it is that I think that the the most effective school improvement method um, is is staff is high quality staff development. I think that's the thing that we should prioritise if we want things to get better. We can change structures, we can look at you know addition, bringing additional interventions. We can look at, but if we develop the people who work there, so they can be and and teachers and support staff, they can be the best they they can be. They can they learn from each other, then um, then that's that's the surest way to improve. Um, so, I, I mean, I've I've been really I think the you know once again it's come over, come about through the pandemic, but the way that we now communicate, the way that we you know deliver kind of share share training, we can have sort of uh, short sharp sessions, kind of fifteen minutes that you wouldn't you wouldn't bring people together and you know and um, physically because it just wouldn't be worth it. You know, yeah. even just even just the simple, um, you know, the use of the kind of teams, a teams room and putting documents on there and um, and editing them together and kind of developing. So there's a policy development. So I think um, I, I think there's there's so many, so many possibilities and we just need to we need to be brave about this. I, I, one of the things that I always remember that we did and, and that you suggested um, was when we did the um, the registration, the thumbprint registration, yeah. and um, you clearly, you know, you sold me on it, and we clearly had this idea. I think it cost a lot. It cost about thirty grand, didn't it, to get it set it up? Did, it, yeah. Was, yeah. it was quite expensive, um, by but you know, by the standards of the size of school, and it was, you know, for anyone listening to this, it, basically the pupils came in, they had lesson registration, they just thumbprinted in. Now we had to we had to hold our nerve because it, yes. it was it didn't it didn't it wasn't an immediate success we had queues outside the classes there were people coming to you know people who i respected say 
we've got we can't do this anymore we've got to go back and say no it will be you know stick at it stick at it and of course in the end people get through that you know you have your kind of in, uh, the implementation dip and then you come through and suddenly you've got all this you know you've got things working really efficiently you've got data well, that, that you can use you've got, you exactly know, and, and that was one of the, the the examples really of the tech being there and it not necessarily being i mean some of some of it was originally but um when we went through that it wasn't necessarily a tech problem it was a getting used to a new way of doing things that the staff had to adapt to um, in particular but uh, you know and that's from you know students coming in and sitting down and then taking the register our aim before it before it was is that a it was really quick and easy and gave us the data and all the lessons for attendance and lateness and everything like that mm -hmm. but actually it was students come in sit down and start learning there is yeah. no delay to that lesson um, they come in as a walk past the door, they put the thumb on it. And of course, it, you know, you have to get the, the students to do it. I remember them warning us saying, year five and six don't have a fully developed fingerprint at this point. Yes. And it, at that point, I remember us looking at each other and going, well, maybe should have mentioned that before, but let's let's <laughs> yes. keep on, on going. But um, uh, yeah, that was one of the, the more exciting things that we, you know, more out there things, that, you know, that we tried. But um uh, you know, some of them, some of them succeed and some of them fail. Uh, I think you have to accept that when you're trying new things. Yeah. But a, a lot of the stuff that we did there, um, you know, has gone on and I've replicated many times in many different schools. Yeah. And and that, as you say, the benefit of that is, you know, when that's established, teachers don't have to do that. You know, that that's yeah. a task that's maybe maybe only three or four minutes, but that three or four minutes in every single lesson, every single day of the year, year after year after year that that starts to make a difference that means that that you can start the lesson in whichever way you want to you don't have to yeah you don't have to worry about that you can you know you can have something walk through the door and be straight into a learning experience you don't have to interrupt that just to, to call out everyone's name and check what well, you know where are they and 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 so it's it's uh you know i i think it's, it's one of those things that that make life easier i, I mean i think um as as the different systems and I'm not you know and, and, and I've worked with quite a few of them but different systems of um uh, of data using assessment data and so on um we have Bromcom at the moment but work to go for schools and you know various other ones yeah, yeah. but I think that the use that that teachers can now get and that staff can now get as those as those systems have become more sophisticated and as you've been able to kind of marry up the different elements of the different data you collect so you can understand you know what what impact is i don't know is absence having or what you know wh whether this particular program is working well for this particular group of pupils and so when that's there and people get you know really sophisticated and knowledgeable about how to use it then suddenly that starts to have an impact on the decisions you make in the curriculum and then the outcomes for the pupils but you, it's very hard to trace that back and what mm. you've got to do is get a system in place, collect all the data, marry it up with everything, make sure that you've got full sets, chase up anyone's, you, know, you haven't got the proper details on and all the rest of that. And then further down the line, that starts to pay off. So you do need to, you need a bit of persistence and, and sometimes a bit of a kind of thick skin to just sort of say, yeah. you know, keep keep going, it will work, you know, trust, trust us on this and it will work. And then, but it has got the potential um, to be really, um, transformational for teachers and um you know and, and allow them to communicate with each other communicate with pupils to access resources and um, to to 
share with teachers across other schools and across the trust. So we have, you know, we have networks now of, of groups of people across the trust that that is just so easy because we've got the communication systems. Yeah, we've set we've set up something um, which I'm really really proud of. One of the best things I think we've done, but we set it up with um, our five trust schools, but also we've another twelve schools in our local area. We call it the Better Together Partnership, and we do it's it's a CPD partnership. It costs we we have an administrator who works for us two days a week, and so that's not an expensive cost amongst seventeen yeah. schools. But we run so the people who run the courses are us, are the people within the schools. We've got 17 schools, we've got loads of people who can run really good programs, really good courses, and unlocking that potential. But in we've we started that this year. We've had we do it every half term. We've had over a thousand people attend, you know, over a wow. thousand attendances at courses. We've done it for governors, for admin staff, for different subjects. And it's and it's just it's it's we could only do it through the tech, we, you know, we just set up a website, all the bookings done through the website, the evaluations are done. I mean, you know, obvious things in a way, but in a way that you that, you know, we can do it on a small scale. You don't have to be a, a major corporation to be able to set something up like this. We record yeah. every session and it goes on. You know, I, I record a safeguarding update for governors and um, with keeping children safe in education at the start of the year. We can then make sure they've all watched that. It's, it's geared to our schools. They record that they've, you know, they record that they've seen. Well, we know they've seen it, and then they, you know, record they've seen it and do the quiz at the end, and all of those sort of things. That just it, it's un unlocked that you know it saves so much time and means that we can do things so much, so much more efficiently. And probably so much money as well. I mean, because having that in house and having that that accessibility, that the amount you'd be saving on the external. And also value for money in terms of if somebody has gone on a course and they come back and use that tool to decimate that information to so many mm. people, um, you know, that, that's got to be making a huge impact across those schools. Yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. And I think just just the ability to, you know, it's, I suppose maybe we always had, but the ability to, to do something, record it and then just have it there for, you know, as a resource for in the future yeah. I think is, is really, um, you know, it's kind of revolutionary. So but you you're, know, you're right, weirdly, it, yeah. it has always been there. It's just understanding the usage of that. And I think one of the things that struck me when we was going through lockdown and such like, and people were starting to use the teams less and more, I was saying to the, especially at secondary level, I was saying, you know, this tool now to record your lessons and allow students to go back to bits that they haven't understood and just relearn it a little bit and spend that time for it. It's something that I haven't seen yet in any of the schools that I work in really take off. You know, they, 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 there was a lot of worry about safeguarding, about recording lessons, and that's a load of, of rubbish, really. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's just people being scared of technology. Um, uh, but that that hasn't really taken off yet, and uh, that I've seen. But I, I, I've been doing it in Concero, doing training courses, do weekly meetings. Not everybody can make them. So just press one button and they can yeah. they can access it whenever they like and they can go back to it and it's evidence of what's happened and it's it's showcasing stuff something so simple that we we could always do we just hadn't used in that way because people weren't using technology as much as they're using it now people if i remember when uh, i started working at, at beads we started using a program called i think it was link and it was the 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 program before teams and started to use it just for a bit of instant messaging across them. And I remember having conversations with certain members of staff and I was like, this will never take off. You know, mm -hmm. you expect us to check this and our emails and everything like that. 
And then before I left, I was walking through the school and watching them all with teams and uh, their their teams messages and non stuff like that, and thinking, mm. yeah, that that actually uh, actually happened. Um, and yeah. it's crazy what changes that the pandemic have have put in there um, uh, for schools. How did you, how did your trust cope with the the pandemic? Were you in a place where you were ready, or did you have to react really quite quickly? Um, well, I suppose a bit of both. I mean, we certainly did have to react quite quickly. It was it was you know and it's not not um going to be surprised and say it was easier for the secondary schools to mm. um to to kind of pick that up um so so i think in terms of primary i think we it took us a bit of time to get to that point where we were doing more than um just providing lesson resources and checking yeah. in for kind of a um, a form time and an assembly time and, and you know so we were there was um i i think we 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 had got there by the end in terms of lessons and and you can see now there's still kind of you know assemblies in most primary schools now take place with everyone in their class and someone delivering yeah. it on on the screen but um in terms of secondaries we took the decision we have two secondaries we'd already we'd made a big commitment to the chromebooks um yeah it, and through sixth form and we were starting to to encourage that so we took a decision fairly early on in one school first and the other one followed that we were going to try and get everyone to have a device um so we we obviously got quite a lot of the free ones from yep. you know as they came through and um, we then had we then encouraged and, and set up systems where pupils could buy or lease them and actually wow. we then had um we also asked if anyone wanted who could afford to buy or lease them would be able to kind of sponsor you know to pay a bit extra so that we could buy more for um for pupils who couldn't afford it and we ended up with the, the vast majority so the and now in our schools and certainly in one of the schools which which really went for it in a big way the vast majority of of pupils have have chromebooks and the ones who don't can collect them at the start of the day so in a lesson you can and the teachers do say okay right you know you're working right take your chromebook out and you open your chromebook and then and do this task so so we went for that in in quite a big way i think the first the first few months we were like everyone else we were a bit kind of rabbit in the headlights we had the, all of those discussions i think we went from no it's not a safeguarding issue we can't be having live lessons we can't recruit it to almost you know within a very short period of time having a complete 180 degree turn and say actually not to have them <laughs> yeah yeah so so what what are the what are the risks um you know we can and and some of the where people perceived there were risks that were easily mitigated through I don't know, turning cameras off or whatever. So, yeah. um, you know, we, we, at certain times. So, so we managed to get over that fairly quickly. Um, and then, you know, I think by fairly early on, we were delivering full days lessons, and and then teachers started to engage with those with this sort of technology. So they would. So it wouldn't just they wouldn't just be at the front, sort of on a camera talking for the. You know, they would they'd do an introduction, then they'd set people off to work and then and then as they were working they'd kind of call in on each on someone and ask them some questions and they'd yeah put the, you know and they'd use diff different sort of ways to so it would it would look it would look different from a normal lesson I think the hardest part because we we set up really well the hardest part was really the period probably in the autumn term this year when we had um we, you know almost a continual churn of some students at home 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we, we're back there at the moment, but, you know, it, it wasn't so bad early in this term. Some students at home, so you'd have maybe often four or five at home while you were teaching the lesson to the other 25. And that that's that was always a bit unsatisfactory, but the, but we would do it. And, they, you know, and the teacher would make sure that every so often they would call in on the people who were watching from home. Um, so it, so it, it did work to some extent, but I think that was where you didn't get the potential from it, really. But so we so we went for it in a big way and we knew that we needed to we needed to use it as a bit of a step change. We used an awful lot of the additional funding we had that yeah. you know, that we got for COVID recovery, even that, that wasn't specifically for IT, but we used that for IT just to buy more devices. Um, and we had, you know, our IT team who were great with scanning for when things were available at a reasonable price and um and then just we would buy more. And Let's just uh, take Take that second uh, to focus on your IT team. I, I follow quite a few of them on uh, on various social media um, and and see all the, what they are. How have you uh, worked with them to um, and you know? Because obviously, I know when I worked with you, I was in on all the all the discussions, pointing out where IT could be used. Is that the similar kind kind of setup that you've got with them now that they're at that high level and involved, or at least listening and and being aware of what's happening so they can interject and say hang on a minute we can we can do that really easily using this or have you thought about doing this or actually we've already got this product and it already does it you're just not using it yeah i think so, so, i think there are some differences um in that they're probably and i think this is probably because of this different skill levels of the teachers they're probably less involved in those kind of curriculum it things you know, right. I think the teachers are probably more aware of those now, you know, yeah. than in the past where they would, you know, they'd almost have to be said, have you seen this product? But definitely involved in, in the strategic thinking of the of the trust and of the school. So um, so we have a we've got our a trustee meeting tomorrow evening um, at, at which our, our IT, our IT manager, Paul, will present um, the strategy to the trustees, our IT strategy of the next years when we're, with our rebuild. We are, you know, we're prioritising um, trust IT infrastructure and kind of moving completely to cloud-based. And so, what I, what I find, where where, are, where IT teams now have become incredibly important, that was always the case, but it seemed to be it, it seemed to be you know not the same profile, is keeping our systems and structures safe. And so yeah. we are 100% dependent on our IT teams looking after us and keeping us secure and making sure that we, you know, that we've got all of our all of our firewalls and all of our kind of protections in place. Um, and that's and and I think the the importance now of having a really good IT team who know their stuff, who understand um, who understand where their risks are and how to manage those risks is never been so it's never been so crucial and i'm i'm assuming just because of the direction of travel that that's going to get that, that, you know it's going to get more and more important you know we saw i saw an email today and that that basically said that one of our members of staff had had i think something like two and a half thousand attempts to um to get to access their accounts so obviously someone wow. had kind of you know and all within within a few hours all obviously all picked up by our systems, which blocked them all. But that was a, obviously a concerted attempt. Someone who thought I don't know that they had somehow managed to discover a password or whatever, or um, to to access the thing. So that's and I'm assuming you know I'm assuming those things happen 
regularly. So I think that's yeah. become a, a that security, that idea of, you know, we can, you, you, our ability to function without IT is is you know is is um, is not great anymore. From a administration point of view, from a safeguarding point of view, you know, from the fact that we open the gate to one of our schools from um, you know the phone in the at the reception up the hill in all those you know we we if if we don't have IT if we don't have you know a secure system then you know our ability to manage things to manage exams pupil data everything is is really affected so so the IT team are they're strategic they are a huge it's hugely important that they're part of your strategic thinking. They're not. They're not just. It's not a service. There's not just a service that you buy in at the end. You know, at the end. And I think that's one of the one of the advantages, particularly with primaries, um, where you have standalone primaries um, or you know maintained schools that really will struggle to to buy in to have the resources to have IT always available. I mean, I know that that doesn't necessarily mean. They're, they're with that school all day, every day. But, you know, if you've got someone who comes in once a week or once a fortnight, then I think that's you're, you're in a you're now in a risky situation for, in terms of, you know, delivering efficient systems. So whereas with it, where you have a team, even though we don't have someone working full time in each primary school, many stretch the imagination, but we have someone who can go to a primary school at the drop yeah. of a hat. We have more than one person. You know, we have a um, exactly as as you had Matt, we have a really good uh, ticket system where these things are picked up really quickly and sorted out you know and in, in, in a very efficient way so i think it's just it it's really it's becoming it's becoming completely essential to be able to to just have any sort of operation of school in the normal way i think the the other thing that people are starting to realize is the breadth and depth of expertise that somebody has to have to be in that role you know because the change in terms of the structure and the the setups that are in schools have, have basically been turned on the head in the last two years from people who've been quite anti-cloud and things as, as people always you say going out of control to now saying well actually that's the most safest and the most accessible means of putting them into there but that's a completely different skill set and it's interesting you bring up the security um Obviously, in my role now, we are called in when schools have had the worst happen to them. And there was a mm. situation with a school the other week that were looking like they'd lost everything. And to break that news to people, I mean, in the end, we managed to get it back, um, which was a much better conversation to have. <laughs> but to have that initial conversation to say, look, we're going to do all we can, but you haven't been backing up or or whatever the, mm. the, the issue is um, and see the fear in their eyes and uh, how people get upset. And and then you kind of wonder, you know, the, the, are they the same people who have only been paying a little bit of money to the technicians or a little bit of money to an outsource team to um, to keep something going that they are so dependent on? And one of the things that we struggle sometimes as an MSP, and you know, we we we're like you say, we're that team that will just go out if there's something not right and we need to be there quickly because you know schools can't wait mm -hmm. two two weeks until they schedule sessions. Um, but you know, when when they they call up and and uh, we go out to these schools that are sorry sorry uh, when the schools when they've only got very little amount of time on site, or they've come from another provider where they can't afford it. Actually, you then turn around and say to them, 
but you didn't invest in this. You didn't protect it. You you know, maybe you didn't understand the impact of what went wrong. But now, you know, when the DfE are shouting about it and they're telling schools about it and sending out guidelines and stuff, you'd hope that some would pick it up more. But the, the, the risks that are out there and without having proactive teams and having teams which are guiding you and moving with the times and not just sticking with something because that's the same way it's always been, that um, you know they're, they're sat there sitting ducks, and the the whole the whole education landscape can change for that school if they if they you know they had it in the Isle of Wight. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that they they had a massive infection yeah. uh, of of malware and it wiped out the schools. And I think they all relied off one 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 of the somebody there. Be careful what I say, but um, yeah. they they didn't perhaps uh, back up effectively, and those schools are wiped out. And that's the, that's where we're at, and it's a real risk um, yeah. that that it can happen. So it's it's great to hear, and I'm not surprised to hear that you uh, you value that and you understand that, and because uh, um, that's always something that you know I remember you you being pretty hot on as well. Well, I I th do think it's one of the it's one of the reasons why schools need to be in in those kind of partnerships, and and uh, you know I'm I'm obviously I work with a trust. I'm I'm not. It's not for me. It's not an an issue of ideology. But I can see that when you bring schools together, you can have you can have those sorts of systems. You can invest in those because it's it's not falling on one school. And and if you're an a, an individual maintained primary school, it's just really hard to find the the money to to do those those sort of things. Mm. And, and you you know and and you'll end up never doing it because you'll never have you know it's it's of a level yeah. that you'll never have spur in your budget. So the only way to do the only way to do it is I think kind of add and someone else pay for it or you do it collaboratively. Um, you know, which is which we can do. You know, we've got the capacity to do That's that in a trust. The whole benefits of what the council used to do working together, and now multi academies yeah. are doing working together. So I've got two last questions for you, Paul. That I've been asking other people on the podcast when we get into the end of of doing it, and they are: um, What is the best piece of ed tech um, that you've ever had, or um, in one of your schools? Either you got really excited about, or biggest impact. I don't mind what you judge it on the outcomes, but you were most excited to have right well this is well i'm, I'm going to give you a very un, um you're going to think this is kind of an, an uninspiring piece of ed tech but i think it was one of the things i one of the best examples i saw of technology of ed tech being used to 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 enable children to learn i'll see if i can describe this well it all it is all it was is a visualizer and it was in it must be 12 or 13 years ago and i was observing a class in an infant class in Leicestershire. So it was before I was in Redditch, so probably even longer ago than that. So it's just a standard visualizer. And it was someone working with a year two class, teacher working with a year two class, doing um, about science and electricity and making really simple circuits. And this is this this is the sort of thing that, you know, children, year two children can do, they can light a bulb. That's what they were doing. They were making a battery light a bulb. What then to, to then take that, the next stage of learning from making that circuit is sorry drawing a circuit diagram and using the symbols for a battery and a bulb and yeah. wires and so now if you're a year two pupil i think it was year two it might be in year three if you're if you're that age the abstract concept of a circuit diagram is a really really difficult thing to do you can make a circuit you can light a bulb you join it you wires to the battery you join it to the bulb and it lights up and everyone's happy but then if you then have to draw that and using symbols and not um and not the you know not just drawing a kind of picture of it it's really hard to understand that 
So I saw a teacher did that. They made the circuits. They were she then put the circuit under the camera, the visualizer. And then yeah. so that so the circuit was that they'd put on a on a just a little kind of um, plastic board was then big picture of the circuit on the on the whiteboard. And then over the circuit, she drew the symbols. So when they could still see that and then took it there and then took this, took the circuit away. So or turned the visualizer off. So it was just the pictures on the board, turned it yeah. back on again so they could see that. And then they all they looked at that a little bit, talked a little bit about that and they went off. And all of those children, seven or eight year old, went off and drew a circuit diagram, understood what that was um, and did it and, and were able to reproduce that in their book because the technology, that really simple use of a visualizer um, had just had enabled them to make a, a leap in learning that they just would have found it almost, I think at that age, almost impossible to do in any other way. Yeah. Because, you know, by describing that. So I just, and I, I, it was kind of a lesson I wanted to stand up and applaud. But, but you know, <laughs> just observing that's because just thought, what a fantastically clever idea. But as I say, through the use of through the really use of simple, you know, even at that stage, you know, at the start when when there weren't that many visualizers, but it still was not exactly revolutionary. Using technology in not for the sake of it, but just to enable children to learn. So, yeah, yeah. Do you know what visualizers have have come back? Um, there was, yeah. there's, they're, they're really coming back as a quick and easy way of of uh, getting the stuff up there and and more, merging that world of um, the the practical uh, into the uh, into the digital ether. So the follow up question from that, of course, is what's the worst um, piece of technology that you've ever seen or or used or you wish you got rid of? Now I'm quite nervous to ask this because you used to be my boss and I worked in a school and put stuff in there. So I'm I'm hoping you don't say anything that we did together. But you know I'll take it on the chin if that's the case. No, what I'm going to do is, is just and it's just one of those things um, that you just kind of think about now. Just so basically this was and you were, I, I can't remember the name of the technology. This was a, an end of I won't name the school, but it was an end of term assembly and it was kind of and, and the, it was secondary school. Lots of the students, lots of the kids were in the hall and they had this kind of fun quiz. And so they used, I, I, can't, I can't remember the name of the app, but they, they said you can take your phones out to, have, to, to use this yeah. app, you know, so, and they did this kind of quiz and they put the, and it was one of the ones where you had to do it fairly quick and the quickest ones ended up, but which that's all fine. You know, that, that part of it went well. But what they said was, <laughs> what the teacher said, oh, give yourself a name, make it, make it funny, ah. you know, give yourself a nickname. So, um, what happened then? Because, and I think the kids all did that. I don't think, I genuinely don't think when they were giving themselves the name, I don't think anyone had had factored in the fact that those names were going to appear in very large letters on the board. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, when the first ones came up, there were quite a few names there that probably would not, you know, these these are these were 13, 14 year old kids. There were quite a few names that, that you would not have want displayed in front of the on the on the whole wall in front of the whole school. And just and I just remember sort of looking up and the teachers, the look of panic in the teachers' eyes as they realized that these I, I won't repeat any of them, but these these names that were certainly beyond the watershed suddenly appeared. And of course we had no way of knowing. No, who, the, who, was who? who it was so and i think they realized quickly that we had no way of knowing who it was so 
yeah. of course they did do you know what? It's, it's always interesting when i'm i'm showing people on what you send say for uh, um monitoring devices and the safeguarding on it and i i go and do these demos and um i log in i show, show them the dashboard and i always forget on the dashboard they have a like a word wall type things and the bigger words on that are the ones that have been used most recently or the most on there. So you open it up and, you know, from Lords or, you know, uh, well, actually at Concero, we've got over 100 schools now. So you're looking at 100 schools worth of swear words um, and, and, and profanity, and they've just got them all huge up on the screen for everybody to see. And you're just like, probably should have given you a warning before I got that yeah, one up yeah, there yeah. And, and put it up on the screen and uh, they see it. But uh, it's always... It's always funny to make teachers blush yes. in that kind of way, in a safe, in a safe adult way, of course. Yeah, indeed, um, indeed. Paul, it's been an absolute pleasure and and uh, to have you on here. Um, definitely one of my edtech heroes. Definitely one of the people that's inspired me to do what I do and and do it the way that I do it. And um, uh, everybody who works with me knows that because I frequently uh, mention you know how I started and how you how you set that up and you enabled it and. You know, I, I'm glad you've been able to see through Lords the opportunities that we gave. We gave 22 people jobs. We helped 50 odd schools, and that's all down to you saying yes. And I think that's that's that should that's something I'm ever forever grateful for. Um, well, from my point of view. Well, well, thank you, Matt. And and I have to say, you know, if there's one thing, you know, if one thing that I've I think that I've learned to do well, it's to recognise good staff and recruit good staff and and that's kind of you know that's made my life huge hugely easier over the years and and I think it was it was really interesting I mean I think you had a vision and that came through right from the start and 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 we're willing to take risks to achieve that vision yeah. so it's not surprising what what you went on to achieve with that with that Lord's IT. Brilliant and um, you're on Twitter Doc, at Dr Heary that's H-E-E-R-Y um are you on the LinkedIn? Um, only occasionally, but I, I also blog, blog uh, at Dr. Heary, um, uh, edu, uh, edu blog. So brilliant. Yes, yes, you do. You have some very interesting viewpoints on there as well. I'm sure the links on your your Twitter for those it who is, are interested. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I heartily recommend giving uh, Paul a follow, um, even just to follow his trials and tribulations as an Everton supporter, um, which yeah. uh, comes yeah, with its things these days. Plenty of tribulations, Matt, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, thank you ever so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. Right, not at all. Good to talk to you, Matt. Thank you for listening to the podcast this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. Just a reminder that you can reach out and connect with me on various different platforms. You can follow me on Twitter at msetchell. You can find me on LinkedIn or you can visit my website www.mattian.co.uk that's M-A-T-T-I-A-N.co.uk where I'd be happy to hear from you. Thanks for listening. See you next time.